Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. It's Barry here with another exclusive Collider interview. I am sitting with Todd Haynes, the director of Dark Waters. How are you doing? Are you just like running around like crazy We're right running now? Running around a bit. It's all been good. It's How nice. Are you doing, Barry? I'm doing very well. It's nice to. It's always nice to sit here and talk movies with just about anybody. But you are a filmmaker. I deeply admire, and especially with this project here, it's a story that should be told. Yes, that's exactly how I felt when it came to me. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of this coming to you? Because I know that this had a very, very quick turnaround. So was that a new scenario for you or is it, it something you've experienced? It was. No, it was crazy. Uh, when, I, when you actually think back that the thing that broke it was a New York Times expose from 2016. I mean that's like yesterday, yeah. right? Um, although it describes a story that had been going on for – 16, 18 years prior to that and a campaign by DuPont that had been going on for what's probably now about 60 years with the production of Teflon. Um, But this story 
quickly became uh, something that Mark Ruffalo became aware of and participant media. Um, and Mark and participant had worked on on uh, Spotlight mm-hmm. not that long before. And people were coming to Mark who's an activist and engaged in environmental issues and water issues and said, you got to look at this. And he did. And uh, he immediately reached out to Rob Balot, who is the lawyer from Cincinnati who the story is about and who Mark plays in the movie. And literally within a year after that story broke, 2017, there was a script. He sent it to me. I mean, this, is, this doesn't happen at yeah. this kind of speed in movies, right? You know this. Um, and what, I know what this. was the key to getting things going? I mean, is there is there any specific reason this got off the ground faster than other projects? I do? think they saw what incredible social relevance a story like this has, right? With everything that we're facing today. Mm-hmm. And the magnitude of the story is so shocking from how it begins with a single sort of American beloved product, Teflon, and a famous chemical mm-hmm. company behind it. How much it began just in sort of local issues of the water systems in the Midwest. And then it kept spreading and kept spreading and kept spreading because of our anti-regulatory system and has ultimately spread across the globe. And PFOA, which is the chemical at issue in the story, is now in the blood of 99 percent of all living creatures on the planet. So I watch it's, it's 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 not. I watch so many horror movies. Like this is the type of stuff that keeps Ser- me up at night. Seriously, this and is a true life horror story. Have you been hearing a lot of comparisons to Aaron Brockovich? Because it very different stories and yeah, both very sure. much well well worth telling. But what would you say to someone out there who is thinking, "Well, I saw Aaron Brockovich. Why am I going to watch this one?" Aaron Brockovich is a great film. That it is a beautifully made film and a and a very. Uh, engrossing story with an incredible and charismatic woman at the center mm-hmm. of the story. Um, in many ways, this is a more nuanced and subtle and in some ways it feels more like the stuff of real life, even though, of course, Erin Brockovich is a true story and mm-hmm. she exists and she had all of those qualities. But Rob Balot is an unexpected hero. He's not the kind of guy – that you expect to take on systems of power because he came from mm-hmm. those systems of power. He was a criminal defense attorney defending the chemical industry yeah. um, and believed in regulation and believed that there was a way that industry and regulation could coexist and then sort of happened in like – all, all these – all the great I think whistleblower stories are about people who come out – who are in the dark. Mm-hmm. And the story starts to form and get bigger and bigger and more astonishing and more infuriating, right? And that rage fuels the fight. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens with Rob. I feel like these are very important true stories to get out there. But one of the – I'm going to answer my own question. One of the things that I appreciate about having both of them too is they're two completely different types of individuals. She – when she walks into the room, she makes her presence known. Whereas he is like much more quiet and keeps to himself. And I just feel like having both of those examples out there can tell anybody, it doesn't matter who you are, if you believe in in this cause, you can make a difference. Absolutely. And I think no one's seen Mark Ruffalo quite embody the skin and bones of a guy like this, mm-hmm. Rob a lot. You know, someone emotionally guarded and kind of hunched over and kind of lost in a fr- perpetual frown who kind of finds his voice and finds mm-hmm. his 
his life's work through uh, accidentally, right, through circumstances that come upon him. You know, Aaron Brockovich, you sort of think she'd be capable of anything the minute you meet her. Mark emerges through the character of Rob Ballot and sort of finds out who he is, you know. And I found that to be so moving and also so painful because people who are out there truth-telling, mm-hmm. they get stigmatized, right? And the power systems start to push back against mm-hmm. them. And threaten them, and they enter a perilous place, and that's what makes them even more astonishing. Their their work. Did uh, you always know that he was going to play the lead role? I, I mean, oh, did yeah. he always know ever since he first signed on? Because I don't think we reported it until right around this oh, time so last year. What's cool, I think, is that Mark wanted to shepherd this whole project into being from the vantage point of a producer. And really believed that the story needed to be told and didn't want to sort of push himself necessarily as the the leading sort of banner name attached to the the actor. But he was and that was always always a given. Um, But – but yeah, you, you, I swear to God, when people first see him in the movie, you, they don't even know it's Mark. We've even had people talk about the prosthetic makeup that he wears. Of course, he wears no prosthetic yeah. makeup. It's all acting. There's something and about the, the way jowl, he frowns right? and it did make me think twice. No, it's ama- it's really astonishing. Did you see any of just you know the prepara- the physical preparation he went through oh, yeah. to kind of make Absolutely. that happen? Absolutely. I mean, we, what was so remarkable – for me as a director, I think for the actors, for the for the entire creative team on the movie, is that we surrounded ourselves with the real people. We were in the real places. We were in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. We visited West Virginia. We had these people on set. They were our advisors, you know. And and they come they cross the class divide from an Appalachian farmer in Parker outside of Parkersburg, West Virginia, all the way to the guy who runs ended up becoming the managing partner for Taft Law, one of the most one of the most prestigious mm-hmm. law firms in the country and definitely in the Midwest, and played by Tim Robbins. Um, but it was so remarkable to see Rob spending so much time with Mark. And Mark watching him and internalizing him and interpolating him, you know. And uh, the other amazing thing is to watch the real Rob Balot start to uncoil himself Hmm. as this was happening. He started to kind of come out of his shell and feel the weight of the world lifting from his shoulders because finally his story is going to be told and seen by the world vis-a-vis Mark Ruffalo, right, and this film. And he starts to look like this – you see how handsome he is and how he has a little glint in his eye. And, and, you, and it, there's almost nothing that made us feel better about watching us relieve him of the burden that he'd been carrying single-handedly for what so many years. What a wonderful kind of like one-two punch crazy. with his work. It's like he, he did accomplish so much, but now the fact that this movie exists, it's like a whole other wave of it. Exactly. I mean he said to me when the New York Times article landed, he said to, he said to me and Mario Correo, this, the writer, one of the writers on the script, when we drove with him from, from Cincinnati to Parkersburg, he said, when that article landed, I knew at least they weren't going to kill me. You know, like the isolation these kinds of people are put into, the danger zone that they enter into, mm-hmm. the physical the physical illness yeah. that he acquired which still was never sufficiently diagnosed. And you're taking on one of the biggest chemical hmm. companies in the world. It's hard to not have some conspiratorial or paranoia 
attached to that. Um, but yeah, so yes, it, this 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 relieved him and unburdened him in ways that that we still see. Hearing you describe so many of those features of him is making me think of a lot of your past work, just like the idea of dealing with isolation and and yeah. someone dealing with like uh, something that's physical and they can't really put a finger on what it yes. is. Do you think that this movie kind of landed in your lap at the perfect time, or do you think you could have made Dark Waters, you know? I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. It's funny. Mark has been sort of responding to that very question in Q&As we've been having. And I agree with him that sometimes there's sort of a zeitgeist that almost beckons projects to come to the fore at the time that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, there's something in the air that makes them necessary to happen when they happen. And, and I do feel like just the environmental issues that our mm-hmm. country is confronting and the heading into an election year and and the the ways that our regulatory system has so catered to the needs of industry and how much money and big business have dominated our, our economy. These are all things that make this an incredibly relevant story to tell and something that really we all felt really needed to be told. And that's one of the reasons why it was happening. It happened as quickly as it did. It was interesting seeing this so soon after I went to TIFF and I saw that documentary that Ellen Page had made. And it's it is about environmental racism. It's called There's Something in the Water. And it's her back in her hometown in Halifax and just exploring that. And I don't like there are different scenarios, but they go hand in hand. And it just shows how widespread these issues are. Exactly. Flint, Michigan. I mean, just on and on and on. Yeah. We can go on and on and attach these relevant stories because it's a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see all kinds of specific examples cropping up in all these different places. And you can only focus on one thing at a time. And we wanted to enter this story dramatically and with with compassion Mm -hmm. about the people involved and make it something that people could really experience and feel for. Yeah. What is it like? Condensing. I mean, I guess this was essentially almost two decades worth of research and work because you can't fit it all in there. So no. was there any specific part about, you know, what happened in this whole process that you just hope people know about that maybe you couldn't include in the movie? I think we hit the main points. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no question exactly as you state. You know, a complicated legal narrative like this. Rob Alava has actually just written a book called Exposure that really and really compellingly lays out the far more complex full story. And we had the dramatic task of trying to make it into something that could be experienced by an audience in a single viewing where I think the best kinds of whistleblower films, you 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 follow the overall momentum and the trajectory forward. And then the the two steps back, one step forward process that always happens, right? Uh, But you can't possibly maintain and understand every single aspect of either the legal Mm -hmm. discourse or the journalistic discourse if that's the the, the theme of the film. But but it's all there and you feel like it's being supported on solid ground. Mm -hmm. But that's not really the point. The point is to watch this overall progression that real people take and risk their lives over. And I think we, that's what we tried to accomplish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As far as the, the journalism and the legal jargon goes, though, is there any particular bit that you found the hardest to convey clearly where you had to workshop it a little in order to get it to screen the best way? I think, I mean, this, this was really the brainchild of Mario Correa, mm-hmm. the second screenwriter who came on. Our first screenwriter got busy shooting a movie of his own. And we brought Mario in and it was fantastic. But the way the centerpiece of the film is really the presentation of the story that Rob has investigated through the discovery process that really is 
the uh, the the shocking backstory of Dupont and Teflon. Right, they're mm-hmm. knowing uh, history of polluting and dumping the toxic byproducts of PFOA into the water systems and into the air. And so you see him going through all the material and researching, but you're kind of kept at a distance from it. And then finally he lands in his kitchen one night with his wife and he's throwing away his Teflon. And she's like, Rob, what's going on? And he says, I got to tell you what's been going on. And they sit down at the kitchen table and he starts to tell her the story. And it sort of intercuts with – it goes back to his process of discovering the story mm-hmm. and putting it all together. But he tells it first to Sarah and then we intercut with him telling it to Tim Robbins and then to Victor Garber who plays the, the, the lawyer from DuPont. And it's a particularly – it's sort of the centerpiece of the film. But it's so important, you know, and I think what we wanted to feel is that the audience was ready to hear the story mm-hmm. when, when it finally lands. How many times do you get to shoot a scene as intense as that? Because that to me is one of the highlights for Mark Ruffalo and also for yeah. Anne Hathaway from a performance perspective. Yeah. But it looks like, you know, that's one of those things where it takes a lot out of, out of someone. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. is it a, you know, try to shoot that and get it in the can as quick as possible? Well, the sheer... Uh, amount of lines that Mark had yeah. to memorize and present to her. But do it in a, you know, balancing that thing where he's not an actor, he's not an activist, he's a lawyer. And he's in the present tense of his own discovery process. And so we wanted him to be very present and very measured about the way he described it and told it to, the, to his wife. But he had to recite pages of dialogue. And I just couldn't – I sat there and I was like, holy shit. You know, he has it all. He's done it. He's done this. He's so prepared. I mean the guy is so conscientious and so devoted and such an incredibly warm Mm -hmm. and, you know, just sympathetic and empathetic presence on set. I feel like you can totally tell. You can, right? When someone has that quality, I feel like no matter what role they're in, it kind of like radiates off the screen and you feel it. It's really true. Definitely feel it from him. Yeah. How do you go about, as far as the visuals go, making, you know, rifling through papers something, you know, exciting? And even boardroom scenes. You have a couple boardroom sure. scenes that really just, you know, up the energy of the movie when you're essentially just shooting a whole bunch of people sitting at a table. Yeah. You know, we I try to sort of set up this this style that – this visual style, this visual language, sort of the sort of temperament of the movie – that had a sort of restraint, that had a sort of emotional coolness because it reflected Rob and it also reminded me of the way some of my favorite films like from the 1970s that Gordon Willis mm-hmm. shot, you know, with Alan Pakula, Parallax View, Clute yep. and of course All the President's Men among all the other amazing things he shot in the 70s have this observational sort of elegance and it trusts the performers. The frame trusts the performances and the material and lets the, 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 the frame come alive with what's happening with great actors. And I had great actors and I you know, looked at those movies for inspiration and sort of feeling secure. Yeah, we can, we can trust our audiences. We don't have to cut and be all flashy and yeah. like you – know, and I think, I think that comes through and I think it's true to Rob a lot. 
There's this is like one very specific thing that I notice, and I hope I can kind of like pinpoint the right scene without spoiling it for everybody. But there's one particular boardroom scene where Tim Robbins has like an yeah. exceptional moment, <laughs> and it's a moment that I would assume a director would be getting closer and closer and closer on the person talking in order to up the intensity. But no, you like in the heat of his speech, you go back to a wide shot and whole and see the whole room. Right. I'm just curious what was what was the thought behind that particular. Choice? choice because I was surprised how well that played. Yeah. Thank you. That's nice. Um, well, we it was a long and complicated scene with many different parts. It's really also where Rob really is there to convince the partners at his firm to take on this massive class action case. This is a law firm that had never taken on mm-hmm. a class action case. They're not plaintiff's attorneys. They're defense attorneys. And so it took a lot of convincing and it was going to challenge the reputation of what this law firm stood for. And so we covered it amply. It's a five-minute long scene in the movie. But I was always so happy to hear when we were testing the movie and we were showing it to audiences that one of their favorite films of the scenes of the film was this one. It was the least visually potentially the least visually compelling. But I think the framing works, the triangular room that it was reflected by the actual interior of the true Taft offices, this architecture that we that I loved, uh, that we honored in the set we built to match that. Uh, but really, it's the it's the performance. It is, you know, it's it's William Jackson Harper, it's it's Tim Robbins, and it's Rob and it's Mark Ruffalo. William Jackson Harper's having quite the year too. I love seeing him pop up all over the place. Oh my God, he's so lovely. He that can partic- do anything. That particular scene, it's like what he's saying. It's so important for the entirety of the company that it yeah. wasn't until after I watched it that I'm like, like I needed that. Yeah. I needed to feel you the did. impact of that on every single person around that table. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just love that particular Thank shot. I also really wanted to ask you about working with participant media. And this is a very convoluted way to ask this question, but it's like we're constantly talking now about movies getting, you know, the budget to make it on the big screen. And it's only the biggest of the big and not these small movies. But Participant is a company that is always making movies with purpose and always helping yeah. to fund movies with value Absolutely. like that. So right. what was your experience like working with them and yeah, where do you see them going as a company in the future that could help the film industry? Well, they're so rare as a studio that has the mandate of social justice-themed films. I mean, that's an extraordinary thing yeah. just there. We can all stop for a second and go, wow, that's extraordinary, right? But the fact that they've had tremendous success in many of these films, I mean, even just last year between Green Book and Roma, they're very, very different films. Yep. And maybe they divided or separated audiences, but you can't not admire the fact that both of these films pass through the hands of a participant, mm-hmm. right? And and they've been involved with Spielberg's films that have had social themes to them and they acquire documentaries and they create documentary material. And so so the the breadth of their commitment is so serious and so evident in the films that they've done. But thank God They've also had success, and that can fortify that mandate and take it further. Absolutely. I mean, between them and Focus Features, it's like the second you put their name on a movie, you're going to get my attention. Absolutely. I've been very, very lucky to stumble into that that (laughs) duo. For sure. 
One of the questions that I've gotten in the habit of asking a lot of directors now, because someone recently brought up to me, it's like when you're an actor, you get to act on set opposite your peers and see how other people work. That doesn't necessarily happen with a director. So if you had the opportunity to be a fly on the wall of another director's set, who would you choose and why? Living? Dead? It could be either. Oh, no. That's too hard. That's <laughs> I think, crazy. I think the last person I spoke to picked – I think it was Kubrick. Right. Oh, wow. I mean it's, 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 a, it's a hard one to settle on. I'll pick somebody more obscure. OK. I would have Kubrick on my list. I would have Hitchcock on my list. I would have Scorsese on my list. No doubt. But Maxwell Fools was is one of my favorite filmmakers and he was idolized by Kubrick and Kubrick described Maxwell Fool's camera as something that floats through walls <laughs> and uh, Maxwell Fool's worked in Europe and he did a few a handful of films in America and then he went back to Europe and did his final film Lola Montez at the sort of the very end of the 1940s but the films are so oh, no I'm sorry it was the, it was the 50s um, the films are so exquisite, the way they're crafted. He also attracted very awesome, progressive-minded writers and actors to do extraordinary things together, bigger scale and smaller scale, in Europe and America. Um, Letters from a Non-Nun Woman, Reckless Moment, and Caught are the three movies he made in America back-to-back in the 40s. And they are just among my favorite films. I can watch them over and over again and I learn something every time. It's one of the best kinds of movies right there. Completely. Thank you so much thank for your you. time today, guys. Carrie, Dark Waters you. in theaters November 22nd. It's a good day. It's my birthday. so It's, it's Mark one... Ruffalo's birthday. I didn't know I it's was like – Mark Ruffalo's bir- birthday, I didn't know Perry. I shared a birthday with Mark Ruffalo. That's not bad. I I will happily, learn that every day. happily take it. All the, see, all the good vibes going to your movie Absolutely. right now. So I'm, I'm down. check it out when it hits <laughs> theaters again. Thank you so much for Thank your you time so today. Much. We are going to have more exclusive Collider interviews coming your way real soon. Stay little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys? Let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.